Puck Addicts Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Puck Addicts Podcast. With you today, of course, is myself, I'm Frost. We have Drick returning for another episode. Ooh, what's up? And we have Splodge coming in. This is his first episode, so let's give a nice big welcome. Yay, Yay welcome. Yay, this isn't our third time recording this podcast. I just want to mention before we go into this episode that in between this episode and last, I've put in a little bit of work and I've been getting the podcast on as many platforms as we can. So, so it's available on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Of course, if you also, put it on MySpace, it'll be there. Of course, it's also available on SoundCloud as always, and we're working on stuff like Apple Podcasts, and we might be doing YouTube. We'll see how it goes, but I don't want to get... Go to any local subway. You can ask any employee, and they'll be happy to play it for you as well. Tell them that Puck Addict sent you. (laughs) They'll know know what you mean. Yeah, they know. They know. They know us. We're kind of a big deal. But I don't want to digress too much, so let's get right into it. We have two trades that we want to talk about. The first one being between the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. And this was a trade that, you know, we kind of saw coming for the Oilers, but, you know, not exactly the trading partner. The deal was Milan Lucic for James Neal. Personally, I mean, personally, I'm shocked that this was a trade that happened. I think like everyone was. I, yeah, exactly. Just like everyone was. I think it's a good deal, but I guess just the way that it kind of came about and just, you know, like the teams involved, like. I'm shocked, but Splodge, you are a Flames fan, so why don't you give us your thoughts on, you know, getting rid of James Neal and bring? Right, I'm pretty conflicted about this one, to be honest, because it's no secret that Neal was not good last season. He only had 19 points. He played in a very limited role. He did have a lot of power play time, so it's... And there is, there's been rumors lately. I don't know if it's been said by anyone with a, a good source, but he reportedly had issues with Bill Peters. Doghouse. The doghouse, yeah. Jeff Skinner had something else in Carolina. I don't really know anything about that. But supposedly he didn't get along with Bill Peters and he had a, wasn't really liking the city. So he gets out of Calgary, which I'm fine with. I'm fine with him being gone. But bringing in Milan Lucic, I'm not super happy about. Well, if James Neal didn't like Calgary, I really don't know how he's going to feel about Edmonton. What do you mean? They have a mall. But colder. They have a mall. Oh, my God. It's the city of champions. Come on, guys. Like, have some respect for the Eskies and the 80s Oilers. That's all they have. And now they have James Neal, actually. So, Yeah, two-time cup loser, dude. And former 40-goal former, uh, scorer, thanks to one of Genny Malkin. I think he could hit 20 goals again, because there was a weird condition on that trade. Where if Neal was 21. I've never seen a condition like this before. If anyone knows of any example, I'd love to hear it. But James Neal needs to hit 21 goals. And Milan has to hit... 10 or more fewer than James Neal. To, and, if tenor, that, yeah. and if both of those happen, then the Flames receive the third off pick, which, okay, I don't know if I like that. Yeah, How could you not? Well, like, sure, I'm happy with getting a pick, but for the, the, in order for the pick to happen, Lucci should just be eh, and then Neal needs to actually be good. So I feel At like least, the pick should be higher. Or less so you saved some salary, though, so... You know, maybe it's you could also the third is basically for the five hundred or seven hundred fifty k that you. I mean, yeah, but it's not like the Oilers are going to be burdened by a million, less than a million in cap It is Edmonton. That, so. That's true. The Oilers, so the Oilers are retaining. I mean, I, I I just find it funny how 
you're acquiring Milan Lucic and somehow you save cap space. I find that kind of crazy, but yeah, I, I'm kind of with I'm kind of with you on this, uh, especially on the James Neal front. I mean, it's he shouldn't have been playing on the third line. I don't think he's going to be like a world beater, but if he's playing with someone like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I don't really know or that he can keep up with Connor McDavid. But if he's playing with Nugent Hopkins, I think he could have a bounce back year. And it's not like James Neal. It's not like the regression has been staring at us in the face for so many years. He had a really bad year last year with a very bad shooting percentage. But I mean, like all the years before that, he's been a consistently good, you know, offensive producer. So I, I, I think him going to the Oilers and, you know, actually getting a chance to play further up in the lineup is going to help. And at least for the Flames, getting Milan Lucic and in a, having a player who actually, you know, fits into the role where James Neal was playing before makes a lot of sense. Obviously, yeah. you, know, you wouldn't obviously you wouldn't want to be paying a third or fourth liner five point two five million dollars, but at least it's better than paying a third liner five point seven five million dollars. Exactly. Yeah, it's better than it's better than paying, better. it's better than playing the second liner that type of money. Well, yeah, I mean, I think this for the Flames, it's an example of trading a square peg for a round peg to fit in the circle hole. Exactly. Really fit in Calgary. Uh, and going back to the idea of the trade, I mean, it was both guys were rumored to be on the move. Just no one thought it would be for the other. Exactly, yeah. Because one of the rumors that was pretty prevalent before was that Milan Lucic would be going to Vancouver for Louis Erickson. Yeah, well, we still need to move Erickson. Well, he'll be gone, I think, either to Utica, but we could we could talk about that later. Right. Uh, Lucic isn't bad. I think he works best when he's not in a primarily primary guy or one of the primary guys or at least he probably won't anymore he was kind of that in boston you know doesn't need to necessarily keep up with mcdavid he just needs to be smart enough to know where to go and get there you know when he needs to connor is good a uh, connor and leon dreisaitl connor because you know another guy but uh mcdavid and dreisaitl Most personal are good friends enough. with connor mcdavid yeah and i call him connor you know nobody uh no, but they're both they're both good enough players that they make that third guy good. They made Alex Chase on that make the what like the third most goals on the team, the fifth most goals. But on the Oilers, that's not even saying much. Oh, but still, like Chase on, you know, he's a good depth guy. He shouldn't be on your first line. But you know, Neil just has to. Neil's probably a better player than Chase on, and you know, I've seen it in the past. You know, being a Vancouver fan with the Sedins. You see it's kind of good players being able to like elevate him. those around them. If so Neil we'll goes back to how he was, like, even the year before when he was on uh, Vegas or just last year in Nashville, he was still a 40-point guy. So even if he's that good on Edmonton, like, he's probably their best natural winger. True. You know, yeah, they I really only need, like, 10 or 11 goals to be able to make the playoffs this year. So exactly. if he could score 10 or 11 more goals, it's a Bob Nicholson. I think though you, I think I think by bringing up Chase on you do bring up a good point. At least now for the Oilers, they're playing. They're paying a guy, Lucic, Lucic's money, who is in a second line role, and that gives them a little bit more of a cushion for them to be able to say like, oh well, you know, anyone who's playing with Connor is going to put up points. So let's just try another Alex Chase on. Did he resign with the Oilers? Actually, I don't even know. I think he did it. 
you did, okay. your so deal. They, yeah, so they have a little bit more, you know, of a cushion to say, like, we could try Chase on again, and if he can't recreate that magic, we can try and bring someone else who has a little speed and stuff like that. Michael Grand, or sorry, Marcus Grandland. Marcus Grandland. I think mostly just because there's not a crazy amount to say about this trade, and there's not a whole crazy amount to say about, honestly, anything that we're going to be talking about today, just because we're in the, you know, nearing the end of July. I think slow like, news week. It's it's slow news. It's a slow news month aside from the first week. So I, I think I think that that's probably good. So let's kind of move towards the uh, the next trade that we want to get to, and that's the deal between the Blackhawks and the Senators, where the Senators acquired Otomir Nisimov for Zach Smith, and this is another example of Eugene Melnick. Everyone just likes to shit on Melnick. I don't think, like, but if you look at the Sens, they're not the richest team in the league. They actually could use the extra money. And they're doing the Hawks a favor by taking on extra cap, but Ottawa doesn't care about cap it, really, since they're so far away from the ceiling. It's not a bad trade, in my opinion. Exactly. I mean, yeah, like, Artem Anisimov is a better player than Zach Smith. Not by that mm-hmm. much. Not by that no, much. No, they're pretty, they're pretty close. I think Anisimov has the edge. They're the same age. Their contract is the same term. So, I mean, if you're asking me and you said, hey, do you want to get a similar, if not better, player for less real money? I don't see why you shouldn't be allowed to do that. Exactly. And, yeah, and, and yeah, exactly. Like the, and the Senators, they're extremely, they're dangerously close to the cap floor anyway. So taking on a higher cap hit, why not? I think that, you know, like the cap, the, the Hawks needed cap space. And, you know, they're fine with paying Smith a little more than his cap hits. You know, Chicago's loading up, I guess, for a playoff run because they just, you know, they'll have Shaw, the Smith, Laner, uh, DeHaan, Mata. So, you know, the Hawks are acquiring a lot of real NHL players. Bad there, but I don't know if they'll be a playoff team again just yet. I think they'll be a playoff team, but, like, I really don't know their, their chances. It's hard to say. Central's really tight this year. Yeah. Where was Anisimov playing? Second Fine? third? So going back to the Lucic trade, you know, I think Zach Smith is better suited in a third or fourth line role than Artem Anisimov is. I think Anisimov is going to be better on the top six in Ottawa where he doesn't sure. have to necessarily, you know, do a grinding role. And Zach Smith, you know, that's sort of, I don't, I, I'll admit, I didn't watch a lot of Ottawa Senators games. Bread and butter, you know, I think he's miscast as a top six player and he'll provide a lot of depth to Chicago there. I don't believe he played top six in Ottawa. Who played no. top six then? Who do they have? Well, they still, like, obviously, Ottawa doesn't have great players, but they still, I'm pretty sure Zach Smith was strictly a third liner, sometimes even fourth liner in Ottawa. Yeah, really? they there. put the guy on waivers. Yeah. That was just, you know, a joke. That was just Dorian was being a, Dorian, but, like, they still had, like, Colin White. It was a joke to. Like, Colin White, Brady Kachuk, uh, Michael Bodker was decent. Anthony Duclair, when he came, was pretty good. Uh, he didn't play top six, I don't think. Maybe at times he was. Maybe he probably was playing instead of uh, Batherson or Brown on that top six initially. Right. I can't. I, I can't tell you what the Sims lines were last year. They changed a lot, but I don't yeah. think he played top six that much. Anyway, I think Anisimov could end up replacing Chris Tierney on the second line, or even be yeah. a first line guy there next season. The fact that Chris I don't Tierney see was on the second line. He was on the first line for a while. Oh my god. Hey, look. I'm just wondering where Ottawa's going to fit Louis Erickson. Okay, that's what I want to know. Don't worry, but he's going to be great for uh, Binghamton. Wait, no, is it Binghamton? No, it's Belleville. Oh, sorry. You're about the, you're, do you think the Sens are going to trade for him and, and wave him? 
No, that's just a joke. Yeah, I don't know. Think they win. <laughs> I think they should, though. If I'm honest, they could. I don't know. I think they should really see the points waiting them. He could be decent for them. Who knows? Change of scenery might help them out. Well, it I think that, I think really that they, well. should, they should. I think that they should just because there's a whole lot of teams that are really close to the cap ceiling, close and even above. And as we get, you know, to the first game of the season where they're going to suddenly say, okay, you can't spend over 10% of the cap. There's going to be a lot of guys, you know, a lot of GMs running around in their office trying to figure out what the hell to do. And they're probably going to need to come to Ottawa. You know, a lot right. of guys are going to end up being allergic to their equipment last minute and have to go on LTIR. You know, sometimes that's the way it goes. So I think that that, like I said, you can't, you can only say so much about the smaller stuff. So I kind of want to move on. It'll be a shorter podcast for sure today, but let's just kind of keep it going. I want to get to something that, you know, it didn't piss me off, but it definitely was a very, very bad take. And that comes courtesy of Ken Campbell from the Hockey News, known for saying Ooh. very dumb stuff often. And he... That's a good thing to be known for. Give some credit to the Hockey News, you know. In 2002, they were like the fifth best hockey magazine out there, okay? Give some, have some respect for your the, the pioneers. Uh, my pioneers, I mean like the fifth yeah. or sixth generation of hockey magazines. But the quote comes as follows, and this is from his Twitter account. I'm sure the next guy from the St. Louis Blues who gets the Stanley Cup will be thrilled that Robbie Fabry's dogs were eating spaghetti and meatballs out of it on Monday. It amazes me how the NHL allows, nay, condones players treating the cup like it's a dog bowl. And I don't even know where to begin with this. The first thing I want to say is what the fuck has Ken Campbell done that he does, he gets to... I don't think he's in a position where he can criticize players who are working for 82 plus a potential 32 games of this year, never mind the rest of their career that they've been working to win the cup. And he can't he can't criticize... He, has no, he is in no position to criticize what they do with the cup. Like, who cares? I mean, who cares if Robbie Fabry's dogs were eating spaghetti and meatballs? Who cares if Robert Pertuzzo wants to take the cup out on his boat and drink champagne out of it. Like, that, they won. They get to do what they want. So he thought it was the real cup and not just a replica. Well, that's, even the, besides that's, that. that's the second thing, too. And, uh, and I'll, let, I'll, I'll let you talk in a second. But yes, well, like yeah. you mentioned, it's not even the real cup. There are three Stanley Cups. There's the real one. That's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. There was the yeah. presentation cup, and that's the cup that gets brought out after you win the cup, and you get to, you know, skate around and kiss the cup. And then there's the replica cup. That is the cup that the players take home with them. So it's not even the real cup. They can have another one made whenever whenever they want. And there are guys whose job is literally to stay with the cup and make sure that anyone who has the cup is not doing anything ridiculously irresponsible with it. If those guys are cool with so-and-so using the Stanley Cup as a, like, a diaper station, fuck it, just let them do it. They won the cup. I mean, it's kind of weird. I wouldn't do that. But hey, you do you from the cup. I don't care. Here's my question. Here's my question. Do you think the St. Louis Blues cared that, uh, you know, Chris Draper's son pissed in the baby? Do you think they cared about that? Oh, who cares? Like, they they cared. disinfected it, obviously. Do you think they cared that, oh, like someone's daughter, I can't remember whose daughter or son got baptized in the cup? Do you think they cared no, that's all the stuff that... God, man. You, or do you think they... Any of that mattered to them when the clock was taking down a game seven and they won the Stanley Cup and they raised it? Do you think Alex Pietrangelo was going? Is it nah, I don't want to touch it. Don't I, I touch it? 
Like, do you think anyone is going? You know what? I don't want. I don't want to touch it. It's it's not clean. No, that was, no, not at all. Nobody. And no, I don't. I don't know where you got thirty-two games from after the eighty-two because there's only a maximum of twenty-eight games in the playoffs for each team. But uh, I was. You know, these guys are working and not seven. Whoops. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would explain but... it. It's okay. You know, I, I remember the first time I watched the playoffs too. But um, Damn. you know, it, it's just these these players have been working their whole life. You know. To work to earn this cup that they don't even get to keep, they get a day, maybe two with it. They get to party with it, and they never get to have it like that again. So who cares, you know? Unless what you're Sean Bell and you get like twelve rings. Yeah, but even then, you think every you think you think he took for granted any of those times? No, you know you think. <laughs> no, I hope not. Still thrilled. It'd be pretty funny, actually, think, if he was think... just if he. <laughs> hey, John. Like I know this is your tenth time winning the cup. Like. Can I just have it for the day? Yeah, whatever. I, I don't. Even, I don't care. I'm over oh, it. This whole thing. Oh, I don't even care anymore. It's like, look, every time Crosby wins the cup, and then he goes and plays floor hockey or street hockey with his friends, and they all, you know, they do things they did when they were kids. Expecting the cup, but where do you think these guys got the idea to do it? From history. Exactly. It's from guys from Ken Campbell's generation. Who've been doing it for years, and even before that, 1905, the Ottawa Senators left it on the side of the road and had to come back the next day to get it. Exactly, and I just want to say, thankfully, Ken Campbell seems to be the vocal minority in this one because his tweet got, got ratioed real bad. Acknowledged in his article, even so, you know, Ken Campbell's hip. I don't think anyone read his article. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to worry about. <laughs> Does that. anyone read his articles anymore? But and and also thankfully members of the media were also coming at him. I mean I mean Darren Pang basically said as much as we did about it getting about it getting cleaned and you know letting guys do whatever they want because they just want it. So, you know, thankfully at least we've got most of hockey Twitter with their heads on straight. You think Ken Campbell disinfects his phone every time after he goes to the bathroom and he's tweeting on it? Maybe he's just a really big germaphobe, I don't know. Is Ken Campbell the Donald Trump of Twitter, of hockey Twitter? God, no. Please. Like even, even Don Cherry is the fun police. Like, he's the fun police. But even, do you think if Don Cherry won the cup, he wouldn't do dumb shit with it? I'm sure he would. I think if Don Cherry won the cup in the 70s, I, I would almost guarantee that Blue would have eaten out of it. Oh, absolutely. He would have drank his beer out of it, then put dog food and they gave it to his dog. Yeah, absolutely. For people who don't know who Blue is, that was Don Cherry's old dog. Yeah, I know. Right. That's what, that's what I meant. I know, I know. I'm just saying for the listeners who don't know who that is. And if you are listening to this podcast and are kind of new to hockey, we're really glad you chose us to listen to. If you're new to hockey and you're listening to this podcast, I just want to let you know there are... Yeah, like <laughs> NHL 19. If you don't know hockey, you clearly know everything we're talking about. Everyone knows who Tan Campbell is. Campbell, isn't, isn't that the guy who the, the trophy's named after? Isn't that the Campbell? First sure the Oilers GM, right? The Soup? The Soup brand? Campbell, wasn't that the guy who played for Chicago in 2010? Oh, yeah. Oh, you mean Kim Campbell, former Prime Minister of Canada? To Google that, or did you know that? That's my question for you. <laughs> I may have had to I may have had to have Google searched to remember. <laughs> I knew it was Campbell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I knew it was she Campbell. She wasn't, wasn't there for very long. She was there for like six months, so like whatever. But hey, yeah. first female Prime Minister. Yeah, was, Let's go. First and only. First and only. So far. I don't want to. <laughs> Let's not date this. 
Why not? What do you mean? We're talking about the news of the week. We're automatically dating it. I love politics. We're man. talking about Ken Campbell. Of course it's dated. Anything. What do you mean? He's he's hip. He got ratioed. He knew he knew what that meant. Um, I think he had to Google that. Like, you had to Google that? He definitely did that. Anyway. Anyways. Um, enough. We've given this guy too much airtime. We have given him too much airtime. We are going to go into a break. Like I said, again, and this will be the last time I say it, shorter podcast today. So we'll get a break in and then we'll come back. We're going to talk about some news coming from the unnamed Seattle franchise, uh, henceforth named the Rain City Bitch Pigeons, some Rangers stuff. So stick around. Puck Addicts Podcast. All right. So we're back and we're going to get right into this. Some news out of Seattle, the unnamed... Some news out of Seattle, the Rain City Bitch Pigeons have there, elected, we go. there you go. <laughs> have named Ron Francis as their first general manager in franchise history. You know, I think that's a uh, decent hire for them. It is a hire. Um I think his tenure in Carolina was interesting. He made some good trades, made some not so good trades, made some good signings, made some not so good signings. But I think it's a good for a Seattle team that probably doesn't want to be in a bad cap situation in year three. Unlike yeah. one, unlike some teams. Unlike it's one other expansion team. They're the quickest expansion team to ever be in cap trouble. Well, yeah, because exactly. it's the only other team to exist, to be added in the cap era. You ruined the joke. Yeah, <laughs> I ruined all your jokes for you. Yeah, thanks, thanks. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this one, Drick. Like, I, I think it's it's a decent it's a decent hiring. It's not. I don't know if necessarily it could have been the best hiring that they that they had available. Maybe they could have waited and something better would have came along. But I think they wanted to you know get some guys in the organization sooner rather than later. And Ron Francis is is a decent attempt at that. You know. Well, alternatively, though, alternatively, if you if they had waited, he could have been gone. Exactly. You know, that is that's also true. Yeah. Like maybe so, he they think that he's their guy, and if he they think that, then you know go for it. I mean, there's only one other name that I can think of out there who they might have even hired. Mike Gillis, you know. Yeah, I can't really was, think of anyone else who they could have gone with. I don't really like Ron Francis that much, but there's not a whole lot out there. And like you said, Frost, it's probably best to get a GM in as soon as possible. Yeah, and I think that there is also like potential that he could be better in like an, with an ownership situation that you know isn't one of the most apathetic owners in the entire league peter carmanos was you know like notoriously you know good he was a notoriously <laughs> bad owner yeah and cheap to be the metal and player operations exactly just a real hmm. real shit type of thing he kind of reminds me of someone hmm I think, if anything, the, the main criticism that you can make of Ron Francis's time as GM in Carolina was that he was just overly patient with things. He had drafted a really good core, and he inherited some decent players. Our biggest gripe with Francis is that he stuck with Cam Ward for way too long. Another issue with Francis is his inability to, you know, value goaltenders. He's the guy who traded for and signed Scott Darling. He's had a bunch well, of failed projects. Anton Kudobin is another guy, I think, was when he was there. Yeah, I don't think Kudobin was, or was Newski, I think, was the trade. Still, though, right. like, 
he, he they he, they have struggled to find a starter. Yeah, I think Darling made sense at the time. He was good in Chicago. Obviously, that didn't work out. But I think that was not a bad get at the time. I think the issue was the contract. Yeah, but the contract wasn't great. But well, so that's the thing with all bad players. You know, bad players generally aren't you know awful unless they're being paid a lot. Also true, and I think that Ron Francis is going to have a good selection of players available. So I, I think that this is it's not like a safe hire. Like you're not going to really go like and safe as in terms of like yeah, that's definitely a GM with experience of building a good team. But it is a guy who I think had a pretty rough shake at his first go in terms of the situation that he was in and he made a decent go given what he had so i think yeah with seattle starting blank slate and getting to pick a roster and you know work with that and develop because his drafting was good i liked his drafting so i i think i think they could be okay another thing decent hire yeah there's gonna be a lot of good goalies available off the top of my head, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, the Capitals are going to have to choose between Ilya Samsonov and Braden Holtby. Yeah, that's I think they make it Holtby. Uh, Markstrom and Demko, one of the Canucks have to choose between them. And not saying those guys might be elite goalies. I hope they are. But, you know, the Canucks might not be able to keep both. Um, I'm trying to think of other situations similar to that. Or there, there are other situations where there's a guy waiting in the, you know, in the wings prospect waiting for his chance and you know pretty soon those guys are going to be draft eligible or expansion draft eligible and teams are going to have to choose do you want them to take this player the other player or trade them a shit ton not to take either it's a bit hard to say two years out but yeah i think Vegas. i'm sorry seattle is going to have a good pool of players to take in their expansion draft yeah i think they're preaching patience though i i would it would be smart to preach patience Although it's kind of yeah. hard to say that when the team just before you went to the Stanley Cup final in their first year. But, you know, people are going to be able to understand that that was a massive outlier. And, you know, they won't get upset if Seattle isn't very good in their first year. Unless unless it isn't. Unless this is how expansion is under the salary cap where, you know, teams have to choose for financial reasons who to pick or who to, who to protect. That yeah, could be a new thing. The expansion rules for Vegas were a lot more strict. Like, protection rules, I mean. They were a lot more strict for other teams than they were in like the 90s, where you can keep pretty much all your good players. Yeah, there was no, there was no incentive. Them. <laughs> like, like Nashville had incentive to give up James Neal because they wanted to keep right. the other players, as well yeah. as he was making a lot of money, and they thought they had guys who could replace him. You know, the the Penguins had Flurry, they could Flurry was expendable for Matt Murray, and they wanted the, the money. They had to worry about that, so maybe Seattle. This is the new NHL expansion. Teams are like salary a, camp, you know, forward thinking. And like there's another year, in, like of the '90s expansion teams, some of them had great players that they took in the draft, and probably none. Well, maybe like one or two. Yeah, like, like it's, for example, like Vegas is all their best players. We got picked like William Carlson, Marchessault, Flurry. They picked those guys, and they're all their best players. Well, Smith was traded to take Marchessault, but Halla. Yeah, but they still did captain Marchessault. That's what I meant. Yeah. True. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, I think Seattle will have a lot of talent to choose from, and we'll see. I don't think teams are going to be as generous with Seattle as they were before. That's something so, I was no. gonna. 
that's something I was going to bring up. Yeah, I, I'm really curious to see what the trades are actually going to end up looking like. Just because teams are going to be saying, like, we got dicked over by Vegas. We're not doing the same thing again. But then, you know, yeah, but that's kind of how negotiations are going to work because then S- Seattle's going to say, yeah, but I'll just take your really good player that you don't want to lose. So, there are also going to be some teams that, like, weren't affected by all that Vegas. Like Calgary, for example, they lost England, who was a UFA anyway. So they might be more willing, like, oh, yeah, we'll give you, like, a first or something to not take this guy. Forget about Vancouver, and then they lost Lucas Spiza, which I think was actually... Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, if I was in Montreal at the time of the expansion draft, I would have been driving Alexi Emelin to Vegas. Do you think Anaheim would make that same trade, though? Do you think they'd give up Shafe no, York? No, t- But they took Clayton Stoner. Right, but, like, There's Anaheim... Anaheim was, like, going the cap- at the time. I don't think they're going to be doing that anymore. Not Anaheim in particular. I'm, yeah, that's fair. But I'm talking about in general. Like, yeah, I think, think teams are going to be, especially if the cap, if there's another year like this year where the cap goes up by less than everyone thinks, and teams all of a sudden need to clear salary. I don't you think, think that the Leafs. The case. But I'm saying hypothetically, you think the Leafs would have an expansion team to take, you know, one of their players who was making a lot of money. You think, you know, they paid they paid Carolina to take it. You think Seattle would have paid would have taken less in order to take that cap it, which they would need anyway. You bring up a good point, um, but my my whole thing is that I just think the GMs of the existing teams they're going to just be able to say like, look, like we're, we can't we can't be giving you a suite of deals as we gave Vegas, and even if Seattle is going to counter, yeah, but we have the leverage. I just think in general the asking price on some of these things is going to go down a bit. Right. But look again, in business, you know, you have to put those feelings aside sometimes to get business done. And we'll see. Speaking of the price of getting business done, let's talk about Jacob Truba, who signs his new contract with the Rangers. It's a seven year by eight million dollars. So first of all, yeah, I don't the the seven years. Do we know if Truba was eligible for for eight instead of seven? You need to be on a certain. Uh, you need to be on the team for a certain amount of time before you can be eligible for eight years. I think he might have only had been eligible for eight if it was a sign and trade. Yeah, I don't well, know I how that works. Maybe I don't know. I, know, I, I think it's because in RFA, I don't think it makes a difference. Well, I know for like Tavares. Well, I know for UFAs, for like Tavares, for an example, was only eligible to trade to sign an eight-year contract with the New York Islanders. Yeah, I, I think that, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure RFAs, no matter what team they are, they can sign an eight-year deal. I could quickly try and Google it while you guys continue to talk. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure, like if a team wanted to offer sheet Marner, they could offer sheet him for eight years. But as an example, oh, they can't. They can't. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. You can only do seven years because that it has to be on your team, though. That's yeah, different. Truba, like they had the right to Truba. I think eight years would have been fine. I don't know. I could be wrong. Anyway, so what do you guys think about the contract, though? I think it's a decent contract. I think it's a bit steep because he's only had one year of beat. Because he had 50 points last year, which is very good for a defenseman. But before that, he only hit above 30 once. So it's a bit concerning to have an 8 mil, but I don't think it's going to be a bad deal. Yeah, I think Truba's a good player. The problem I have, he is a little bit unproven to see if he truly is a top... I think I think it's, he's proven that he can be a top pairing guy, but you know, like what level of top pairing guy he is is kind of up in the air and paying eight million dollars to a guy who you know like never played on your team especially playing on a team that is completely being reworked you know like panarin is new capco is new um 
Truba now is new, Adam Fox is new, etc., etc. It's a little bit concerning. I think there might be there might be some growing pains at first, at least. Uh, maybe. I, my biggest concern is that look at the Jets' decor when they had Truba. They had Bufflin. They had Myers. They had well, not anymore, but they had they had him, and they had uh, Morrissey. In the Rangers, they have Shattenkirk, who has been that great. Yeah, Brady Shea, who's pretty good, but he's not a top guy. And the rest of the guys they have are either young and improving or not that great. <laughs> yeah, I, so, it, uh, it's, it's not the greatest decor. But uh, I mean, they're still limited by Smith and Stahl on the back end. So maybe one of them could be on waivers or traded even at the beginning of the season, going back to Ottawa. And we're discussing earlier on that. One thing about the Rangers is that they have 900k in cap space, but they still need to sign Brian Lemieux. Pavel Buchnevich and Anthony D'Angelo. So they need to figure out how to get some cap space quick. Waving right. Stahl and Smith would, you know, give them... Do They are in a tight cap situation, but they could have 11.642857, I'm just reading the number off cap friendly, and cap space opening up because uh, Artemi Panarin might end up in the gulag. It's real shame about Panarin. He'd mysteriously disappeared yesterday or... He will mysteriously disappear soon. Probably. Probably. If you don't know, we are referring to Artemi Panarin's comments about Vladimir Putin. We won't get into it because that's... Safety reasons. That's a Lake Superior size uh, can of worms. So, you know, eh, let's not talk about that. But um, I made one we're... joke and I'm already nervous. So, yeah, you know, this is going on that's they one's probably know. enough. They might see Vladdy, that. if you're watching and we know you are, please don't kill us. He's a big hockey fan. Dude, you're, hey, he's, you're... He's put 11 goals in the game. He's a great oh, hockey player. Wow. 11 goals. I, yeah, it was, I think he, he, it's a great performance and all, but, you know, he's really elevating the guys at random, you know. Some scrubs playing on his team like Bure and Datsuk. It's Putin's the star. Also, I made two jokes. If you don't hear from me again, it was nice to be on the podcast. All jokes aside, yeah, they, they do kind of need to clear some cap space. Uh, one thing that was rumored, I saw it on TSN, it didn't come from Bob McKenzie or Darren Drager or, or anyone reliable, but they Paul were Marner. reporting they Paul Marner, Darren Drager, same guy. But they were reporting that Chris Kreider <laughs> and uh, Vladislav Nemestikov were placed on the trading block. So that could be and, uh, and Buchnevich and Buchnevich. Also yeah, that's right actually. Also Buchnevich. That would be less so of a help just because Buchnevich is a guy who doesn't have a contract currently anyways. It's one less guy to re sign, but they wouldn't actually be saving any cap. The hypothetical, though, I guess. Yeah. I definitely think some teams would be interested in Bouchonevich. He didn't have a great season, but he's definitely a low-risk, high-reward type of guy. Yeah. Maybe Edmonton needs more depth on the wings. I'm not sure if Edmonton's the best fit, but they might kick tires on him. I don't know. So that's just about all we have to talk about this week. There are, you know, a few minor things going on. Oscar Sunfist signed a contract that was unexciting. Neil Pionk. Pionk. I can't agree. Yeah. Signed a contract that was unexciting. Zach Antrigris was unexciting. Right. Yeah, so I want to thank Splodge and I want to thank Trick for joining me on the third attempt of us trying to report, record this podcast. It, it finally turned out we had minimal audio issues because Drick, the reason that the issue with the podcast was Drick had uh, some internet troubles with his microphone. So we also recorded it late at night. We're all very tired. So, so this time Everyone around, it's a lot better. So I want to thank you guys for joining us. And remember, guys... If you like the podcast, make sure that you follow us on SoundCloud. Make sure to subscribe. Subscribe to us on all your podcast catchers. 
Follow us on Twitter at Puck Addicts Podcast and make sure to leave a rating because everything helps when it's a young podcast. So, and that is a wrap on the show.